contribute more and have a better, deeper understanding of of how to play the college game, especially under Muss. So I think he's a guy that we see maybe as a potential dark horse for a breakout player next year that, you know, with some transfers we got coming in, could be not looked at as going to have a lot of playing time, but could come out and surprise everybody. And I think you could say the same for Darian Ford and Barry Dunning as well as, you know, Darian Ford is a very athletic and tough, strong guard that can command the floor and get to the basket as well as Barry Dunning. He's a very athletic, almost guard forward spot where he can, you know, jump out of the gym just from what I've seen. And I think actually before season started, he had the highest vertical on the team. I think it, I believe at 47 inches vertical. So he's got some hops there that I think if he develops some over the summer and works on his game a little bit, he could contribute next year as well. He's a guy that I think could be, you know, a guy that's here for two or three years instead of, you know, guys like that are one and done or just stay here one to two years. And so then that brings up our players that are in question. You know, we still have no word from Devo Davis or Makai Mitchell or Jordan Walsh. Those are the three that, as far as returning players that could return, is what we're waiting to find out. Devo Davis, you know, we, we already know that he's established that he's going through NBA draft, you know, scouting and going to get feedback from scouts to see where he's projected to be drafted at or if, you know, he's on a draft board. But he's also left the door open that he could come back, and I think he would be a welcome addition back to this team as, you know, he would be a veteran presence on the floor, not only just from a standpoint of being in the Arkansas program, but also understands what Muss wants from his team and his players and that he could be able to, you know, help these new incoming transfers and these freshmen understand what kind of play Muss is looking for. And then on the other hand, you have Makai Mitchell, where his brother's already declared that he's leaving. Mikhail has announced he's transferring, and a lot of people thought what once he announced that Makai was going to go with him because in their past three stops, they, they've went together. But this is something that I think is going to surprise everybody if he ends up staying, is Muss has worked some magic to split up the twins. And I think from what I've heard is this is something that would be beneficial to both of them and their careers and what they hope to do in the future for both of them to be able to have any prospect or chance to go to the NBA G league or even play overseas. I think the best bet is for them to split up so that they can both show and excel in their game. Cause it doesn't make sense to keep both of them on this team to have essentially two players that are the exact same, have the same strengths, have the same weaknesses, you know, it's hard to play them both at one time because if a if a, the opposing team keys in on what is one of the one of their defensive issues, it's going to be the other or their weaknesses, whatever it may be. So it's one of those things where, as much as I hate to see the the twins split up, I think it's probably best for them. So we'll we'll see what Makai ends up doing. I know we have some guys coming in, but he's one of our bigs that is expected to return at to return as of now. Um, but we'll keep you updated on that. And then 
The other piece that has yet to be seen what's going to happen is Jordan Walsh. He's a guy that I think was leaning towards coming back, but also trying to see what kind of interest he was getting from NBA scouts before declaring. I know today is the deadline to declare for the draft, and there, as of the latest news, I haven't heard any decision be, been made by him. He's one of those guys that I think he needs to come back and work on his offensive part of his game, whereas this year I think throughout the year you saw him develop defensively with being a hard-nosed defensive guy that could come in and almost be a Devo style player where he could lock down some of the opposing players and give us a good defensive presence. But it's one of those things where what does he do? Because out of the three of those McDonald's All-Americans that came in last year with A.B., Nick Smith, and Walsh, I think Walsh is the most raw player that if he comes back and could refine his talent, could be a star on this team next year and play his way into a – probably first-round pick, that's my opinion. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does. Do we get an announcement later tonight as it's 10 o'clock on Thursday night? Or if this date passes, is it a sign that he is coming back? And so it's going to be interesting to see how this roster shakes out. And the reason I say that is at the moment we have currently four transfers committed to come in and play for Arkansas. We mentioned last week we have Keon Minifield from Washington. That's He's a 6'1", 170-pound guard that averaged 10 points per game, 3 assists per game, and 2.9 rebounds per game for Washington last year, where he shot 41% from the field, 33% from the three-point line, and 69.8% from the free-throw line. You know, those are some pretty good stats. And, you know, we were, like we said earlier, we were missing some shooters last year, and I think he's a guy that come in can come in and shoot the ball. We would like for him to get that free throw percentage up into those mid-70s closer to the 80 percentile instead of that 69%. So that's something that he might work on the offseason. And then another guy that has committed to play for Arkansas that is also, I think, from what I've heard, is also seeing what kind of interest he's getting from the NBA as well is Tremont Mark from Houston. He is a 6'5 guard that's 195 pounds that, you know, was a starter for Houston all season long, knows how to play at a high level, you know, especially for being with Houston for majority of the season. So he's a guy that I think can bring in some valuable experience and be able to help this team hopefully next season get over that hump of Sweet 16 and maybe get a help us get a push to the Final Four. But I don't want to say expectations too high. But he's a guy that, for Houston, the number one team in the country for a lot of the season last year, averaged 10.1 points per game, 4.9 rebounds per game, and 1.8 assists per game, where he shot 39% from the field, 32.8% from three, and 78.4% from the free throw line. So definitely a lot better from the free throw line, shooting close to 80%. I think that's something that, you know, at times you saw Arkansas struggle this season at the line and having guys that can consistently knock down free throws. So he's a guy that should help with that. And then a commitment that we got earlier this week, Khalif Battle from Temple. He's a 6'4", 215-pound guard that 
for Temple last year averaged 17.9 points per game, 3.6 rebounds per game, and 1.8 assists per game, where he shot 41% from the field, 35% from the three-point line, and 89.9% from the free throw line. So those are some good numbers, and if you talk about needing a shooter, this is your guy. You know, he, I think, has the chance next year to step into that Ricky Council-type role. Maybe not as explosive as far as the dunks, but I think he'll be an exciting player that can come in and essentially score at will almost. You know, this past season at Temple, he made 77 threes, which averaged out to that 35%, but he is definitely a three-point threat, and that's something that I think we, like I said earlier, we were missing this season because you've seen several times where other teams would guard us at the line and force us to throw it inside, and we we struggled at times last and, you know, packed the paint and forced us to take that three, and we were not good at shooting that. So I think he's a guy that can come in and will probably contribute along with, you know, hopefully Joseph Pinion as far as being able to give us a three-point threat and, you know, give us some shooting abilities. And then a guy that committed today that was kind of a little bit a surprise that I haven't heard we had much contact with was uh, the Cincinnati transfer, Jeremiah Davenport. He's a 6'7", 215-pound guard forward, kind of plays that 3-4 spot um, that, you know, a guy that, like I said, I hadn't really heard that we were keying in on him, but announced his commitment to Arkansas to play for Coach Must today. He averaged 9.1 points per game this season with 4.2 rebounds per game and 1.5 assists per game. He shot 35% from 0.1% from the field, 33% from the three-point line, and 83% from the free throw line. So, again, you know, we're focusing on bringing in guys that can shoot, you know, not only the three-point line but also the free throw line because I think this season was the, you know, worst free throw shooting team under Musk that he's had since he's been here. And so I think where you see that he's going out and addressing these issues with guys that he pulls out of the portal. Um, He's a guy from what I've heard from people from Cincinnati is that he's a guy that has a high motor, you know, will play really tough. And when he's on, he's a guy that can draw a lot of fouls. And, you know, you see when he draws those fouls, he shoots 83.83% from the free throw line, which is going to be tremendous for Arkansas. So, with all that being said, it'll be interesting to see where our roster is going to, you know, finish out. Because I believe we're one to two over our scholarship limit as it stands with who's returning. That's assuming Devo and Jordan Walsh and Makai all are staying as well. And and that's including the incoming freshmen of Layden Blocker and Bay Fall. Those are two guys that we haven't really mentioned yet, but those are guys I think that are, you know, four and five star guys that can come in and be probably be able to contribute right away as well. You know, especially Layden Blocker when you talk about a guy that he's more of your traditional point guard, a guy that can come in and I would assume split leading the point with Keon Minifield, a guy that has experience when Minifield and then a guy that's you know, not to discount Minifield, but a, a, another super talented guy that can also score from that guard spot where more traditionally, whereas, you know, we had Anthony Black lead the point this year who was an unusually, you know, guard play with him being so big at 6'7", 
but we'll we'll see more traditional point guard play out of Arkansas next season. And then you got Bayfall, who is an athletic six eleven big that has great shot blocking ability as well as you know great play around the rim. So he's a guy that could be raw offensively, but if he comes in and works hard over the summer and could contribute for Arkansas next year as well because, you know, we struggled down low this season at points because you had the Twins that performed really well, and then you have Brazil that was performing well at the beginning of the season until that injury hit. And then I think we struggled to find our post presence between the Twins, Jalen Graham, and guys like that that really struggled at times this season where we couldn't really feed the ball inside and we were forced to take shots or Ricky or Anthony or had to kind of drive and force a shot that several times would go in but other times missed and we struggled and got behind in games and that's something that Arkansas needs to find is a true big I know there's a few other guys that Arkansas is trying to target that's in the portal that would be classified as a big I know they've had conversations with the Michigan transfer Hunter Dickinson, and we talked about that last week. He's a guy that averaged nearly a double-double at Michigan last year. And then there's also just entered the portal, I believe, yesterday or today, a 7-1 big man from Oklahoma State that was a five-star recruit as well that I I believe Arkansas has contacted. So, you know, with that being said, with these contacts, does that mean – Maybe Makai's leaving or Devo's leaving. I don't know. We haven't heard any announcements from those guys yet. Um, but I, I would assume if we're still contacting guys like this, we're either going to have some more guys leaving or maybe I know a possibility that's been out there is that we have guys that maybe are on scholarship that are going to make enough NIL money that – may let that scholarship go somewhere else and they pay for school with NIL money. And then that way that opens up our roster to having a larger roster size. I don't know because I know the NCAA limits basketball rosters to 13 scholarship players. Now, besides that, you can probably have other players, but then you start thinking about all these guys are coming in. How are these minutes going to be divided up? Because you've got four transfers, five returner returning players so far that's eight guys right there, and that's not including the incoming freshmen. That adds up to 10. And then if you have Devo come back, Makai come back, Jordan come back, that's 13 right there. Plus your guys that were walk-ons this year, so that's another two guys. So you're sitting at a 15-man roster right there, and where are you going to split that playing time up? Because, you know, Must usually doesn't like to play more than seven, maybe eight guys if you're lucky on a you know, consistent basis once he's found the rotation he likes. So this is something that is going to be interesting to see how it shakes out once the roster is finalized and we start getting ready for summer ball and see where they're going to travel to this year. I know this past year they traveled over to Europe. So we'll see where they go this season to play and get some, you know, just playing time over the summer and letting these guys start to gel together before, you know, season starts next year. So, with that, we'll move on to some Arkansas tennis news where Arkansas women's tennis had a match against number 12 Auburn on April 7th where they won that match 6-1. to You had Arkansas men's tennis take on Auburn as well, and they lost their match 4-0. to 
Arkansas women's tennis took on Alabama on April 9th and lost that match 4-2. And then Arkansas men's tennis took on Mississippi State on the road and lost that match 6-1. So Arkansas men's tennis is still on that losing skid that they're, they're I know they're working hard and trying to correct, but not having luck yet. So, and then you see the women's team get a good ranked win over Auburn. So they're up and down, but I still think trending up. So that's something that we'll hopefully see continuous improvement from as the rest of this tennis season goes on. Um, and hopefully the men can ride the ship and start getting back on a winning track, especially in conference play. So with that, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back in a minute to finish up this episode. You know what I like? I like to be comfortable. I also love representing my favorite sports teams. And in the clutch, I am able to have the best of both worlds. In the Clutch Apparel is your one-stop shop for all things sports. They have officially licensed gear from all your favorite teams and players from the NHL, MLB, NFL, and more. They have sports classic tees from yesteryear and beyond. Check out their full website in the link down below. When you enter the promo code Variety Sports, you get 10% off everything site-wide. Feel comfortable with your sports apparel and go over to their website now at intheclutch.com. And don't forget to use our code Variety Sports to get 10% off. And we are back from the brief break. And now we'll jump into some Arkansas softball news where this past weekend Arkansas had a big ranked matchup with uh, Georgia. It was a top 10 matchup as this Georgia team came in at the top of the SEC, ranked number nine in the country. And this was a heavily fought series, but. Unfortunately, Arkansas lost that series, but we'll start and go by game game by game. Where in the first game of the series on April 6th, Arkansas lost this game 4-3 to three in a close one. I personally was at this game, and Janice Dells got the start. You know, like we've said all season, she's our workhorse, our go-to pitcher. Um, so in this game, she went all seven innings, allowed seven hits, four runs, and had nine strikeouts. In this game, Kylie Halverson had a two-run home run in the first that gave Arkansas a 2-0 lead. And then you had Casey Hoffman that had an RBI in the bottom of the third. And unfortunately, the Hogs lost a tough one this game as Georgia hit a three-run home run in the bottom of the seventh to put them up 4-3 to and ultimately win as Arkansas couldn't respond in the bottom of the seventh to get that, that run back and potentially tie up the game or even push it into extra. So they lost the first game of the series 4-3 to three on what was a heartbreaking home run in the top of the seventh. And then the following day, Arkansas took on Georgia again on in the next game of the series where they lost this game 4-0. to zero. You're not going to see Arkansas get shut out many times this season, um, and I think this kind of just shows you how good this Georgia team is. A lot of people are comparing their statistics, especially offensively, to our Arkansas team last year. They could just produce offensive runs like crazy. In this game, Hannah Kamenson got the start and went four and a third innings, where she allowed four hits, four runs, two walks, and one strikeout, and was relieved by Nikki McGaffin, who went one inning and allowed one hit, and then was relieved by Robin Heron, who went one and two-thirds innings with one hit and one strikeout. 
In this game, Kylie Halverson went one for three with a single up the middle, and Lauren Kaminson went one for three with a single in the second. So a few hits, but couldn't produce anything out of those hits. I know the, the, you've seen this name mentioned. Kylie Halverson has been a great player in addition to this team that came in out of the transfer portal from South Dakota State. She's a, a player that knows how to just flat out hit the ball. And then in the final game of this series, Arkansas won this game 4-3 to three to at least win one game and not get swept in this series. Arkansas, like I said, won 4-3. to three. Or again, we ran out our workhorse, Janice Dells, with our second start of the weekend where she went the full seven innings again, had allowed nine hits, three runs, four walks, and six strikeouts. And like I just mentioned, Kylie Howerson, she hit the walk-off solo home run in the bottom of the seventh to seal Arkansas's victory in this one. And then another player you've got to, got to talk about in this victory is Hannah Gamble, where she went two for two on the day and had a game-tying solo home run in the bottom of the sixth that tied the game. And like I said, Kylie Halverson hit that solo walk-off in the bottom of the seventh to win the game. You also have Reagan Johnson that tied her career high in RBIs after hitting two in that game and had her 15th multi-hit game of the season. So she's a freshman that has got a lot of talent and can't wait to see what she's going to do her rest of the rest of her this season and hopefully for years to come in her career at Arkansas. And then in a midweek game this week, Arkansas softball took on UCA on April the 11th, where a lot of people were hoping we could go down to UCA and get a revenge matchup win. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. Arkansas lost this matchup 4-0, to where Robin Heron drew the start and went four innings, allowed two hits, one run, two walks, four strikeouts on 65 pitches. And she was relieved by Hannah Kamenzen, who went two innings, uh, with five hits, three runs, two strikeouts on 50 pitches. The thing in this game that got Arkansas was unearned runs due to errors. Three of UCA's runs that they scored in this game were unearned due to three errors that Arkansas had. And like I said in the early, earlier, you're not going to see Arkansas have three errors in a game very often. So they, they just took advantage of, of those and – I think this is an Arkansas team that you're going to see come back home, regroup, and get ready for their season series this weekend as they're going to take on the UAB Blazers this weekend at home. And we'll talk a little, about, a little bit about that here as we get ready to cover upcoming events. Now we'll jump over to some Arkansas baseball where they took on Ole Miss and what was a interesting and weird weekend where was supposed to play on Thursday, but then they, due to weather, had to cancel that game and move the games to Friday and have a doubleheader. And then an hour before the game in Ole Miss, they lost power at the university, and luckily they were able to establish that back and be able to play these games. But on Friday, April 7th, Arkansas had a doubleheader where they won the first game of that doubleheader 11-2. to Hunter Holland got the start in that game, and – he had a amazing performance in this one where he pitched six innings, three hits, zero runs, three walks, four strikeouts, and 97 pitches. So he pitched six scoreless innings for Arkansas. You know, this was a good start, good uh, deep run in this game for Hunter. You know, he's continued to show he's one of Arkansas's top pitchers this season. He was relieved by Dylan Carter, who is another guy that has – 
stepped up the season and has been a consistent relief pitcher all season. In this game, he went two innings, allowed two hits, two runs, one walk, one strikeout on 33 pitches, and then was relieved by Austin Ledbetter, who went that final inning, allowed one hit, one walk, got one strikeout on 13 pitches. So in this game, Arkansas scored their 11 runs on 15 hits. And in that game, every Arkansas batter had at least one hit, which is, you know, you look at your batting order of nine guys, that's pretty crazy to have at least every batter get one hit. And then in this game, you had Brady Slavens that had the best hitting performance with three hits and five RBIs. You know, he got four of those RBIs on a grand slam that came in the middle of the game to break the game open and help Arkansas to victory. You also had Caleb Cali hit had a two-run homer in the top of the second that kind of got things started. And so you see him starting to, I think, find his rhythm a little bit as far as the bat. I know he's been pretty decent and steady as far as defensively at third base, but you see, I think we'll talk about here in a little bit, but Harold Cole may be trying to give him a run for his money in that starting spot or potentially it's at short too. But we'll move on to that second game of the doubleheader on April 7th where Arkansas lost this one 7-4 in this game. Hagan Smith got the start where you know we had been seeing him in relief, but he got the start in this one due to, I think, Will McIntyre had been feeling a little bit down and I think had the flu in earlier in the week, and they just wanted to give him a little bit more rest before he eventually got the start in, in the final game. But in this game, Hagen Smith got that start where he went five innings, allowed four hits, four runs, two walks, seven strikeouts on 69 pitches. And then he was relieved by Cody Adcock, who went one inning, for two, allowed two hits, three runs, one walk, one strikeout on 24 pitches. And then Christian Fouch, came in the final two innings, allowed two hits, one walk, got two strikeouts on 33 pitches. And in this game, you had Peyton Stovall have a two-run homer to right center, and he led the team with three hits. And then Brady Slavens also went two for four and had one RBI. So you see Peyton Stovall, Stovall having a good weekend, Brady Slavens continuing his weekend, and some great hitting from him. I think that shows some of his veteran experience coming into play and him starting to find good rhythm in SEC play. And then we'll jump over to the rubber match game where Arkansas won this matchup 6-4. to four. In this game, like I mentioned earlier, Will McIntyre got the start this in this matchup where he, I guess, he had enough time to recover and was feeling good enough from being sick to get the start, where he went four and two-thirds inning and had allowed five hits, two runs, two walks, and had two strikeouts on 60 pitches. And then he was relieved by Dylan Carter, who went one and a third innings, had allowed two hits, one run on 16 pitches, and then Gage Wood closed out the final three innings with three allowing three hits, one run, one walk, four strikeouts on 54 pitches. So he's another guy that has also emerged to be a good one of our closers that we've been relying on freshmen is stepping up, but Gage Wood's a guy to watch for and see his continuous development throughout the rest of the season. 
And then offensively in this game, you had Caleb Cowley have another solo home run in the top of the third. So he, like I said, he's finding his rhythm, seeing the ball, being able to hit the ball better. And then you had Tavian Yosenberger that came in clutch in this game that kind of helped Arkansas get the win in this one where he had a clutch two-out, two-strike single that scored Cowley in the top of the seventh to put Arkansas up. And that was followed up by a single by Stovall that scored Yosenberger due to a fielding error by Ole Miss. So helped Arkansas get some runs on the board. And then to finish it up, Kendall Diggs brought home Jace Borfin with an RBI single that ultimately put Arkansas up 6-4 to four and allowed Arkansas to get this win and also win this series. So Arkansas has only lost one series this season in SEC play, and that was to the current number one team, LSU, that, you know, that was another weird weekend where it played a doubleheader, you know, it's tough on some guys. So Arkansas is continuing to perform well and get those series wins in SEC play. And then Arkansas came back home to have a midweek two-game series versus ULR, so Little Rock, um, where Arkansas won the first game of this two-game series on April 11th, 21-5 to in five innings. So an offensive explosion for Arkansas as they came in and just took care of business where Cody Adcock got the start in this game where he went four innings, allowed five hits and two runs, three walks, one strikeout on 70 pitches. He was relieved by Ben McLaughlin, who went one inning, allowed four hits, three runs, one walk, two strikeouts on 33 pitches. And Sean Fitzpatrick closed out the game with two innings, two hits, zero runs, two walks, three strikeouts on 47 pitches. In this game, Arkansas drew 15 walks, which was a season high for them, which this that first inning for Arkansas took, I think, about 50 minutes where Arkansas scored nine runs in the bottom of this first inning, which they hit the ball really well this game. You know, you, you can see that in that reflected in that score of 21 to 5. But in this game, Arkansas had 10 guys in a row reach base as in that bottom of the first. And that was started off by Josenberger, who I believe struck out in the, that bottom of the first. But the other eight guys after him was able to reach. And then he came back up in this bottom of the first to bat again. So you see him turning over the order in just one full inning. So in this game, Jace Borfin went two for two for with three runs and four RBIs, which was a team leading for this game. But he didn't play necessarily a whole lot. He had a two-run homer to left. And then a guy that I mentioned earlier that is, is vying for some playing time is Harold Cole. He had a two-run homer to center as well in this game, so he's a guy that I think he's showing you he wants to play, and he's trying to perform well enough to get more playing time. And so he could see a guy that maybe not at third base with Cali looking pretty good there, but a guy that could challenge John Bolton for that spot at short. So he's a guy to keep an eye on. And in this game, you had five Ridgeback hitters that had a multi-hit game which is, you know, showing that the bats were hot in this game and guys able to see the ball well and hit the ball well. And then in the second game of this two-game series, it kind of the script was flipped here as Arkansas lost 11-4. You're not going to see Arkansas lose many midweek series, especially to 
some smaller schools, especially in-state schools like Little Rock, and not to discount their win, it was a good win for Little Rock, but with Arkansas as a program, you can't let some in-state schools come in and get a win. I think they'll bounce back and hopefully get the series win this weekend versus Tennessee. It's a, it's going to be a top-ranked matchup as they're ranked number 16. And it'll be the return of Tony Vitello to Baum Stadium where – you know, he coached for Arkansas and recruited for Arkansas for several years under Dave Van Horn until he ultimately left and took that Tennessee job. So it'll be a homecoming for him that I think a lot of people are hoping Arkansas can get that series win and kind of put a damper on that homecoming for him. But in this game where Arkansas lost 11-4, to Ben Bybee drew the start. You know, you see this freshman getting several of the midweek starts along with a few other guys in the rotation, but he were, he went three innings in this game where he allowed four hits, three runs, two walks, had six strikeouts on 63 pitches. He was relieved by Austin Ledbetter, who went two and a third innings with three hits, three runs, two walks, three strikeouts on 36 pitches. Christian Fouts went in one and a third innings with six hits, four runs, one walk, one strikeout on 28 pitches. Zach Morris came in for an inning and a third and went, had one allowed one hit, one run, three walks, one strikeout on 31 pitches. And then Parker Coyle finished that last inning with one walk, two strikeouts on 17 pitches. So I think these midweek games you see, it's a good opportunity for Arkansas to run out several of these young pitchers and let them get some game action under their belt, especially in a game that Arkansas was not able to hit the ball well and ultimately lost this matchup. But in this game, you had Jace Borfin and Brady Slavens each have home runs as they both continued to their hot-hitting season so far. You know, this was a weekend where I think – or a midweek series where you see Brady just continue what he started in that Ole Miss series where he's really starting to see the ball well so far this season and get those hits, those runs, those RBIs, things of that nature. So with that being said, Arkansas is now homered in 29 consecutive games this season. That That's quite a feat, I think, for Arkansas to be able to hit a home run in 29 straight games. If you think about that, that that's a crazy stat that it's good to see Arkansas achieving that, but we'll see if it can keep going. So Arkansas, like I said, will have that big matchup versus Tennessee this weekend as it's a top 25 matchup with Arkansas being ranked five, Tennessee being ranked 16. This is a series that I think Arkansas definitely needs to win. It would be great if we could get the sweep, but I think we need to at least win this series to continue our hot SEC play and, you know, to keep us in contention for not only a regional host, but also a super regional host. Because right now I think we're on the cusp of being – considered but also if we have any more potential bad losses like we did against ULR could drop us out of super regional hosting but we still might be able to host a regional it just depends so we'll have to we need to honestly keep winning games and especially these top ranked games as well but we'll we'll dive into some upcoming events this weekend and into next week as you know that they've been calling this weekend 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 We'll pig weekend as there's just a lot going on on campus with the spring game, this Tennessee series, 
uh, softball having a home game series. So it's just a lot going on in Fayetteville this weekend. So as I mentioned, Arkansas baseball has the, the series versus Tennessee going on starting tomorrow, the 14th through the 16th. You have Arkansas men's tennis taking on Alabama on the 14th. Arkansas women's golf will be participating in the SEC Women's Golf Championship going on from April 14th through the 16th. Arkansas Volleyball taking on Missouri State on the 14th. Arkansas men's and women's track and field will be participating at the Beach Invitational going on from the 13th to 15th, as well as the Mount SAC Relays that started on the 12th and will go through the 15th. You have Arkansas women's tennis going to Missouri on April 14th. Arkansas softball opens up their home series this weekend against UAB on the 14th as well, and now go through the 16th. You have Arkansas soccer going to Oklahoma to take on Oklahoma on the 15th. Arkansas men's tennis will have Tennessee at home on the 16th. And then Arkansas softball, after their weekend series, will have a midweek game next Tuesday versus Texas A&M Commerce on the 18th. And Arkansas baseball will take, be taking on UCA on April 18th. So that's another in-state matchup that we have that we really need to win and don't can't really afford to drop. Um, I, and I, I think a lot of people might be over-exaggerating or getting too worried about this loss against ULR. I don't think there's nothing to worry about. You know, teams are going to come out and have bad games. We just need to not have several bad games as we need to continue to rack up those wins and keep winning those series in the SEC play. So a lot of events going on this weekend on the Hill. You know, Arkansas spring game, like I said, at noon on the Hill. If you can make it be there, if not, it's going to be on SEC Plus, Network Plus and ESPN Plus. Uh, Arkansas baseball, Arkansas softball, you know, different events going on. So if you can catch any of those and you're in Northwest Arkansas, can go. Um, Feel free to check it out. It's a lot of good things going on right now in Arkansas. So that being said, you know, thank you for sticking with me this week as I was flying solo this week in this this episode of this podcast. But thank you again for listening today to, to today's episode of the Whoopig Weekly Podcast. And we'll be back at you next week.